A small child, he awakes and as he wipes away the sleep and opens his eyes, he, he notices a, a small box sitting next to him. Wrapped around the box was a bright red ribbon tied into a bow. Is this for me? The child wonders. Gently, the child takes the box into his hands and he sits up. Now as he sits with his feet dangling off the side of the bed, he, he stares at the box with wonder. With two fingers, he pinches the end of the tied bow and he begins to pull. As that bright red ribbon unravels and falls to the ground, the child lifts the lid off of the box. There inside that little box rests a small seed. A sense of mystery and excitement fills the child. What kind of seed is this? What will it become? After a brief moment of thought, the child knew just what to do. He, he sprang up to his feet. The box, the lid, the ribbon, they now lay scattered and forgotten on the ground as the child runs out of his room. With that seed clutched tightly in his hand, the child makes his way through his home until he reaches his back door. He swings the door open and makes his way outside. And right in the middle of his backyard, he drops to his knees. With the hand holding the seed pressed against his chest, he begins to dig and dig with his free hand. Deeper the child digs, dirt and rock filled his hand with every scoop. Eventually, he feels it's deep enough. He opens his hand containing the seed and he stares at the seed one last time. He sits marveling at the seed, thoughts of what it may grow into be. They rush through his head. With a sense of care, he begins to lower his hand and gently places the seed in the holy dug. The child then whispers, see you soon. And then with both hands, he begins to cover the seed with dirt. Once the hole is filled, he firmly pats his hands on the dirt, ensuring that his little seed would be secure. He then stands to his feet and begins to rub the dirt from his hands onto his shirt. After a final glance at that spot in the ground that contained that small seed, a smile grew across his face as he headed back inside. For days, he checked on his little seed, hoping that the placement provided enough sunlight, enough water. But as days passed, he saw nothing springing up from the ground until one day he saw it, a stem coming out of the ground with a small leaf at the end. Overjoyed, he ran to examine it. And he saw that his little seed was growing into something bigger. Well, what would it become? He wondered with excitement. With a sense of pride, day after day, he checked his little plant. And this life that was rising up out of the ground, it seemed to be getting bigger and bigger each day. He was so excited to see what this little life would grow to be. He had so, so much hope for it to be something good, for it to be something great. Each day his excitement grew until one day he notices all this trash that the wind had blown into his yard. It was surrounding his little plant. He rushes out to it. He begins to pick up each piece of trash. With his arms full, he carries the trash to the garbage can, but the, the wind, it continued to blow. The pieces of trash continued to land near the plant. Frustrated, the child continues back and forth and attempts to clear all the trash. Tired and exhausted from all the work, eventually the child just gives up. He figures he can clean it all up later when the wind dies down. He heads inside to rest, but he awakes to the sound of crows. He jumps up, he, he looks outside, and he sees crows amongst the trash surrounding his little plant. Not only that, but the crows, they are pecking at his plant. In a fury, the child runs outside screaming at the crows. He jumps up 
yells at them to stop stealing pieces of his plan. And after the rage settles in his brain, the child sits staring at his little plant, surrounded by the clumps of trash, now bits and pieces of the plant missing. The child's hope and excitement, it begins to dwindle. No matter how much he tried, the trash and the crows, they continue to return, stifling the growth of this little plant he had dreamed that would one day become something beautiful. There on his knees, staring at that spot in the ground that now looked more like an old forgotten grave, he's no longer excited, no longer hopeful, and the child whispers, it wasn't supposed to be like this. As children, we can be so hopeful about what our lives are gonna look like when we grow up. We can't wait to see what we become. Our our hope and our excitement, it's so real, it's so steadfast. But as we grow, we begin to feel the sometimes bitter sting of life and our hope, it begins to diminish. Almost as if circumstances in life, they become the crows, they become the thieves, making their way in, stealing bits and pieces of us, stealing our excitement. And soon as those bits and pieces are taken, we take a look around and we start to see our faults, our our mistakes piling up around us like trash being blown by the wind constantly in our direction. Trash looking like the rubble of our lives, the ashes of bridges and relationships that we have burnt to the ground. Our hope begins to fade. We were so hopeful for what life might have in store for us in the future, the, the magnificent garden it might resemble, the, the beauty it might hold. Instead of finding beauty, we find debt. We find divorce. We find loneliness. We find the loss of a loved one. Different unforeseen circumstances making their way into our lives. Each circumstance with a different intensity, different levels of destruction, which lead us to feeling overwhelmed with bits and pieces of us missing. We begin to feel incomplete, surrounded by the weight and worry and doubt because of the circumstances. The the weight too heavy to bear, we begin to crumble beneath it. As the rubble piles up, we begin to lose hope of growing into something that bears fruit. And we begin to think it wasn't supposed to be like this. How can hope spring up from the ground amongst all the trash? How can my life grow into something that bears fruit when piece by piece I continue to fall apart? As opposition and unforeseen circumstances arise, how can we pick up the rubble? How can we pick up the stones and build something good in our lives? As we grow, as we rebuild, how can we have hope, strong hope in the face of it all? Around 400 years before the the birth of Jesus, the nation of Israel and the, the Jewish people, they were in a desperate state. The city of Jerusalem had been conquered by the Babylonians. And most of the inhabitants of the city, they were taken captive back to Babylon. But eventually Babylon is conquered and it it becomes Persia. So after 70 years of captivity with the new leadership in place, the Jewish people were given the opportunity to go back to their homeland in Jerusalem. So some made their way back to their homeland, but but some decided to stay where they were. Those who returned to Jerusalem, they were met with a ghost town. The city was empty and desolate. The great walls that had once surrounded and protected the city, they lied in ruins. Just piles of rubble and ash from the battle that engulfed the city almost a century before. The people who had returned to the city had tried to rebuild their walls. And tried to start over, but the enemies from 
surrounding cities, they, they were keeping them from doing so. Every time they seemed to make progress, the enemies would swoop in and stop their very own crows pecking at their very being. Without walls around the city, the, the Jewish people surrounding enemies, they, they could come in and take whatever they wanted whenever they wanted. The Jewish people, they were defenseless. The Jewish people trying so hard to start over, to have a new life, to grow something beautiful, but, when, but they were forced to live amongst the rubble and the ashes of their once glorious city. The trash of their lives, it continued to grow and grow. The Jewish people trying to rebuild their life in their homeland, beginning to feel hopeless, falling asleep each night, fearful of what the next day might bring, constantly muttering under their breath, it wasn't supposed to be like this. A Jewish man named Nehemiah, he had stayed in Persia when his people were allowed to go back to Jerusalem because he had built a life there and, and he actually had an important role serving the king. But Though he had decided to stay, his heart and mind were often focused on the homeland, often focused on his people. One day, Nehemiah, he receives news about how bad things are in Jerusalem, how the people living there, they are suffering, and how they can't make any progress with rebuilding the walls around the city to, to protect them. This news, it broke Nehemiah. He wept for days at the thought of his people struggling and suffering. And, and there, during this time of weeping, he, he spent time in prayer. And eventually, Nehemiah, he knew he had to do something to help. He knew he had to travel to Jerusalem to help rebuild the wall. And he felt like this is what God wanted him to do. So after getting permission uh, from the king to do so, Nehemiah, he starts his journey to Jerusalem. And it seemed like everything was going in going perfectly. Everything was falling into place. The king had given him permission. And not only that, the king gave him the means to get all of the materials that they would need to rebuild the wall. And not only that, the king gave him an army to protect him on the way to Jerusalem. As he got there, the, the Jewish people who had been living there, they were excited as they learned Nehemiah's plan to rebuild the wall. They were motivated. They were ready, probably feeling as though they finally had a purpose. They finally had hope. But just when Nehemiah thought things were going well, opposition was about to rise. A man named Sambalat, he was a governor of a nearby province. He was one of the crows the ringleader of the thieves that would go into Jerusalem and take whatever they wanted. He loved the power. He loved the control. Sambalat, he knew what Jerusalem used to be, how strong their military used to be. So he knew if they were able to rebuild that wall, that would make them one step closer to having that power once again. So he gathered some of his men. He gathered some of his buddies from nearby provinces and they made their way to where the wall was being rebuilt. Immediately, Sambalat, he started to ridicule the Jews as they worked. He started spewing insults towards them in hopes to bring down their spirits and hopes to make them quit. Here's what the Bible says. What are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? They can't bring stones back to life. These are piles of trash and ashes. Sambalot, he was exclaiming in earshot of the Jews that it was pointless. All that was left of their wall was trash and ashes. The Jews were not capable of bringing those stones back to life, not capable of using those stones to build something beautiful in their life. They were dead. Leave them be. 
The Jews were immediately discouraged, feeling as though their, their work was pointless, as though they were just pushing together piles of trash and ash, trying to make something out of it. Uh, their motivation to continue working was fading fast. Though things had fallen into place so perfectly, Nehemiah was realizing things weren't going to go as easily as he thought. As we face the rubble and unforeseen circumstances in our lives, as we try our best to manage those circumstances, to do the right thing and clean up the trash and work towards something good, opposition, it will still arise. Maybe a voice in your head, maybe someone in your life telling you that your efforts are pointless as though you're trying to bring stones back to life when you're trying to build something good in your life. Voices telling you that there's no point because you're too much of a mess. All that's left in your life is trash and ashes. Let it rest. No hope, no point. Just leave it in the dirt. You're trying to do what's right, but the opposition is so strong. I'm sure that's how the Jewish people felt at that point. I'm sure that's how Nehemiah felt. I know that's how I have felt sometimes in, in my life. Uh, so what was Nehemiah's response to that opposition? All eyes were at, on him at this point, right? Uh, what was his response to the insults? Nehemiah, he responds with prayer. He brings it before God. He prays and lays it all at God's feet. Though the circumstances were not what he expected. Though there, were, there was op opposition arising against him as he tried to do what was right, he did not give up. He gave it to God. When we face troubling circumstances in life, when we face the crows and the thieves, we face the trash and the ash that has built up around us, we face opposition attempting to make us give up, our first response should always be prayer. We need to plant. We need to plant ourselves in prayer. Dig down deep into the soil of God. Plant yourself there. Allow your roots to grow, to strengthen. Plant yourself in his presence. Plant yourself in prayer. By doing so, not only are you bringing it to God, but you're reminding yourself that you are not facing this alone. You're not facing the circumstances alone. You're not facing the opposition alone. God is right by your side through it all. And that realization, it begins to produce hope. And that's exactly what it did for the Jewish people. As they heard Nehemiah pray, they became energized. The Bible says after that, they worked with all their hearts. They eventually built the wall halfway high. They were almost there. Sambalot, he was not happy about the progress the Jews had made on the wall. He, he saw the work the Jews had, been, had done and the progress that they were making at such a rapid pace. He saw the gaps in the wall closing one by one. The time for words, it was done. It was time to use force. He gathered his army. He gathered the armies of other nearby provinces and they surrounded Jerusalem. They had no real desire of taking over the city, but they wanted to cause a disturbance. They wanted to intimidate them. They wanted to make the Jews forget about what they were doing to strike fear into them to the point that they would just want to quit. The threat of being attacked, it wore the Jews down. Here's what the Bible says. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers is giving out. And there's so much rubble that we can't rebuild the wall. Basically, gossip around town was that everyone was tired and all of the trash was getting in the way. They were giving up, taking their eyes off of their purpose, taking their eyes off of who they were serving. And they were focusing instead on the threats, focusing on the trash that had built up all around them. 
Even Jews who were working on the wall that lived nearby, they came again and again every day and pleaded with them to stop building the wall and that the threat of death was real. If they continued to follow down this path, opposition would continue and death would be imminent. So Nehemiah, he acted. He he gave the workers weapons. He stationed them in strategic places throughout the wall to, to ward off an attack. Nehemiah then gave the workers a speech, the kind of speech you heard in, in the movie Independence Day. Have you seen that movie? The, the president gives a, a speech before they're about to fight the aliens. He tells them, uh, we will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight. Nehemiah, he tells the same to his people so that they would remember who they were serving, what they were working for. Here's what he said. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. We will not go quietly into the night. We will not vanish without a fight because we fight with God and God fights for us. Remember the Lord. Don't take your eyes off him. Forget about the threats. Forget about the trash. Keep your eyes fixed on whom you serve and fight. As we try to rebuild in our own lives, trying to clear out the trash and the ash, dealing with unforeseen circumstances, though we planted ourselves in, oh baby, it's the Holy Spirit (laughs) saying, I don't know. There, There are moments where fear and worry, they still work their way into our minds, even though we've planted ourselves in the presence of God, moments where we begin to doubt the work that we're doing, right? Damaging thoughts, tempting us to give up. In those moments, we have to nurture what we've planted. As you nurture, you weed out whatever is choking you, keeping you from growing to your fullest potential. Weed out the fear, weed out the worry, weed out the doubt. As we plan ourselves in prayer, as hope begins to rise, we then nurture our relationship with God and we weed out all of those damaging thoughts, making room for the Holy Spirit, allowing the Holy Spirit to work. What does nurturing look like? It looks like reading your Bible. It looks like joining a small group here at church. It looks like finding a ministry here at church to serve on. When you nurture your relationship with God, you're not only allowing hope to rise, but you are also allowing it to surround you completely. No longer allowing yourself to be surrounded by worry or fear, but, but, but surrounded by hope instead. Nehemiah, he had to do the same for his workers. He aided them in weeding out the threats and, and the fear, and he aided them in remembering who they serve and, and what they were fighting for. And he proclaimed that God will fight for us. God will fight with us. As Nehemiah and his workers continued to work on the wall, Sambalat and his men, they continued to, to try and halt that work. They continued to try and mentally break the workers in Nehemiah, trying to make them think that eventually their hands, they're going to grow weak. You might as well just give up. You can't do it. Nehemiah, he continued to combat them through prayer. At one point, he prayed one of my favorite prayers. He, he simply prayed, God, strengthen my hands. God, give me strength. Stay with me. Prove them wrong. And eventually, they finished the wall. It, it took them 52 days All of their enemies were freaked out because they they did it at such a rapid pace. The the enemies knew that they had the help of God. 
The workers, they were victorious. They finished the wall. They planted themselves at God's feet in prayer. They had nurtured and weeded out the doubt and fear. And now they harvest. They harvested victory, but they also harvested courage, perseverance. They harvested faith. As we harvest As we face those circumstances in life, though the trash continues to pile high, the crows continue to peck, as we face opposition and we dig down deep and place ourselves in the presence of God, we plant ourselves in prayer and we weed out the damaging thoughts. Afterwards, we have to remember to harvest. As we allow the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, we begin to bear fruit. The fruit we can harvest and make use of in our lives. We harvest love. We harvest joy. We harvest faith. We harvest peace and so much more. As you harvest, as a result of planting yourself in God's presence, as a result of nurturing what you've planted, you'll begin to realize, are you with me? You'll begin to realize that the abundance of the fruit that you bear, that abundance will outweigh whatever circumstance you face in life. And as we harvest, as hope begins to rise, hope begins to surround us, we see that hope being strengthened. We see it being fortified. A hope made possible because of Jesus, a hope that is rooted in Jesus, and a hope that will not fall apart. Because of Jesus, a wall of hope, a strong hope. Here's what Paul wrote in the book of Romans. We have been made right with God because of our faith. Now we have peace with him because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Through faith in Jesus, we have received God's grace. In that grace, we stand. We are full of joy because we expect to share in God's glory. And that's not all. We are full of joy even when we suffer. We know that our suffering gives us strength to go on. Again, no matter what we face in life, no matter what the circumstance is, as we plant, nurture, and harvest, God produces that fruit in us, even when we're suffering. Because of Jesus, our roots are secured in God's grace. He gives us the strength to go on. And here's what Paul continues to say. The strength to go on produces character. Character produces hope. And hope will never bring us shame. That's because God's love has been poured into our hearts. This happened through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The hope we receive from God, it it is strong and it will not fail. That strong hope is a reminder that no matter what we face in life, we will not face it alone. Nehemiah and the rest of the Jewish people, though they've finished the wall, uh, they still had a long road ahead of them. Uh, Circumstances were going to come that they wouldn't expect opposition would still arise in our own lives. We know that hard circumstances, they're going to come no matter what. The opposition will come. Though the crows of life are often relentless, though the trash and ash seem to pile higher and higher, as we plant, nurture, and harvest, we can still have hope. No matter what the voices are saying, trying to make us give up, we can have hope. With our eyes fixed on Jesus, we can have hope no matter what we face in life. Debt and financial burden will not deplete us because we have Jesus. Divorce and broken relationships will not define us because we have Jesus. Loneliness and depression will hold no claim to us because we have Jesus. Past mistakes and shame will not control us because we have Jesus. 
even though we are saddened by the loss of a loved one, we know that death is not the end for us because we have Jesus. My friends, when someone tells you that you can't bring stones back to life, that you can't build something good in your life because all that's left in your life is trash and ashes, just say, I can't, but he can because we have Jesus. And I pray, I pray whatever circumstances you are facing today, that you would be reminded that you have Jesus. And I pray that you would be reminded that you serve a God that is worthy, a God that is capable, a God that loves you, a God that is sovereign, a God that will intervene, a God that can take a grave and turn it into a garden, a God that can take ashes and turn it into beauty. And when you feel like your strength is giving out, that there's just too much trash, you can cry out to him and say, my God, strengthen my hands. My God, strengthen my hope. The small child, tired of the trash, tired of the constant crows, he he sits on his bed just frustrated, uncertain of what to do. The sun, it was starting to set, shining through the window, the glare of the sun. Little by little, it started to creep across the room. Eventually, that sunlight, it it made its way to that bright red ribbon line sprawled out on the floor. As the sun illuminated the redness of the ribbon, it it caught the, the small child's eye. His eyes shifted to the ribbon. Uh, the redness was so, was so shiny in the sunlight. It glowed and it sparkled almost as if the light itself was coming from inside the ribbon. There staring at the ribbon, the reflection of the light dancing and sparkling in his eyes, the child, he has an idea. He springs to his feet, he grabs the ribbon, he shoves it into his pocket as he makes his way for the back door. As the child runs outside and makes his way towards the plant, the crows, they all fly off in a panic. The child drops to his knees and begins to scatter the trash away from the plant. The child then proceeds to gently dig around the plant, loosening the dirt until eventually he sees the roots of that little plant. Keeping the roots engulfed in dirt, the the child slides his hand under the roots and begins to delicately lift the plant out of the ground. He holds the plant in his hands and he examines the backyard. His eyes rest on an old oak tree. He had countless memories of climbing that oak tree. The the oak tree rose high into the sky with its branches spreading out, almost resembling open arms. And with the plant in his hand, the child makes his way towards that old oak tree. At the base of the tree, the child begins to dig. He then places his plant in the hole and fills it with dirt. And then he gets up and he runs around the yard and picking up sticks. He he comes back and he he places all the sticks next to the plant. As the child pulls the ribbon from his pocket, rain begins to fall. There in the rain, the child ties the sticks together one by one with the ribbon. As the rain meets the ribbon, the redness of the ribbon, it begins to smear and bleed, making its way onto the sticks and onto the child's hands. With the sticks tied together, the child begins to shove each stick into the ground one by one, making a wall around his little plant. The rain, it continued to fall, and the redness of the ribbon, it continued to bleed onto the wood. With the makeshift wall in place, the child stands and takes a step back. He looks down at his red-stained hands. With his hands faced towards the sky, drop by drop, the rain begins to wash his hands clean. 
As the rain continues to fall, the roots of the plant grew towards the roots of the tree. And then the rain stops. Leftover drops on the leaves of the tree, they continued to fall, but the child could feel the warmth of the sun as the clouds in the sky split in two. The child lifts his head towards the sky and basks in the sunlight. He looks down at his little plant. It's nestled safely behind the wall he's made out of sticks and ribbon. He glances at the sticks and he sees the red of the ribbon has stained the wood, almost as if blood had been smeared across it. The ribbon now lacking color, almost looking like a reflective white that shined and shimmered in the sunlight. The crows in the nearby trees, they were startled by the newly shining ribbon. Though they continued to call, they dared not go any closer to that little plant. Though the trash continued to be blown around by the wind, the wood stuck in the ground, smeared with the red, kept that little plant secure. With clean hands and a heart full of hope, the child smiles at his little plant and he once again whispers, see you soon. I get the, (laughs) try and do this without crying. Uh, I get the absolute joy and honor of baptizing two of my favorite people um, in this world. Two little girls, Aaliyah and Braylon. Um, They are ready to plant themselves at the, the feet of Jesus. Ready to commit their lives to living for him. If you felt that nudge today and you want to be baptized as well, the water's ready. We're ready to go. If you'd rather wait and you'd rather pray about it, please remember October 8th and 9th, our baptism weekend. If you've come today and you're facing circumstances in life that are just holding you down, causing to feel like uh, the trash is just piling high, causing you to feel like the rubble is just too much, there will be people down here to pray with you if you want to come forward for prayer. But before we go, before we baptize uh, those two amazing girls, I I would like to pray for you first. So if you would bow with me, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you are with us through every circumstance that we face. We thank you for Jesus that because of that, that wood that was planted into the ground, That cross that he died upon, that his blood was smeared on. Because of that, we have our our roots secured in your grace. Because of Jesus, we can face anything because we know you're by our side. No matter what circumstances people have come in with today, I, I pray that you would remind them that you are with them and that you would strengthen their hands, that they will not grow weak because they serve you and you love them. And that they would take that hope that they have with you and they would share it with their families. They would share it with their communities. And they would bring them to church to feel your presence. It's in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.